Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, welcome to the Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadership, and he's serial entrepreneur, international speaker, and longtime coach in professional baseball coaching in three World Series. And today, my special guest is Kimmy Seltzer. How are you, Kimmy? Good. How are you? I'm so excited to do this with you, Trent. Oh, uh, me too. Great. I have been waiting for this for a while. We've been trying to set this up, and we could not have come up with a better time been doing this over Valentine's Day week. Big time for us, man. Like, we got to get this right. And so this is a little bit different from our show, but I just love that you've always been a good friend. You got a great podcast. And hey, winners find a way. And you're one of those winners. So it's just so awesome to have you here. So thanks for being here. Yeah, and thanks for having me. And of course, I love talking about love. So yes, it is a good theme to talk about. Yeah, right? So let's, uh, for everyone out there, Winners Find a Way is our show. If you have ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting and you need to find a better place and a better way, well, I think you came to the right place. Whether you are already an entrepreneur, athlete, business leader, or just looking to start your journey to being elite, this is the spot right here. And Kimmy Seltzer, let's talk, Kimmy, about your background real quick. Before I do that, where can they find you? Yeah, so it's super easy. You can just go to KimmySeltzer.com, K-I-M-M-Y, Seltzer like the water. It's not my family. I wish it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's an easy way to remember it, KimmySeltzer.com. And all my social handles are that too. And Charisma Quotient is my podcast. Awesome. Now, I want everyone to know, like, I have, like, the Hitchette of dating right now. Like, I love the movie Hitch. Like, Will Smith, I think it's awesome. And, I, you know, every, and I'm in trouble. Every time I find this thing on TBS, like, I just lost two hours of my life, right? Because I got to watch it again. And so it's pretty cool to have Hitchette, like, our female version <laughs> of the dating champion here. It's pretty cool. I love that you saw that, too. Because before I even told you that other people call me Hitch, you picked that up. And then you, and then we, I said, yeah, people call me Hitchette. I'm kind of like Hitch meets what not to wear. If anyone knows that reference, it was a makeover show because I, I really do this kind of outside-in approach in helping people, right? So here I am. All right, so let's go. Who are Kimmy Seltzer? Hey, you're a Northbrook girl, which I love, Chicagoan. And then, of course, went to IU. You're a Hoosier. And then, of course, you have your master's in the University of Chicago. So came back home to do that. A confidence therapist, an authentic dating strategist, and an image expert, which I love. Your charisma quotient is not just a formula, but it's also your show. We're going to get into it and talk a little bit about that formula. And then all sorts of things on confidence, right? That confidence therapy. We're going to come back to that. And, of course, you've got a special event today actually on the flirt like a pro event which i want to promote right now let's get you uh, if anyone hey want to know more kimmy's going to be on her cast zooming on flirt like a pro you can jump in i'm giving you a link right here to get in it's pretty awesome tell us a little bit about that 
Oh, I'm super excited about this. I do this periodically because, you know, flirting, I love. It's a skill that I really enjoy teaching. And yes, it is a skill and it's never too late to learn it, by the way. So this workshop is co-ed, it's live and it's interactive. So it's not just me teaching you about my secret ingredients to flirting, but it's also practicing it with the opposite sex. So it's super fun. We're, we talk about everything from body language to what you should wear and those conversation tricks that land states. I love it. I saw your little bit on Fox, which was so cool when you were in there and then your little secret of the three second return the look. Oh, you right? saw that, and huh? I thought, oh my gosh, that <laughs> so lands, right? That just lands. Hey, I'd like to know, hey, is she interested? Now I've been married 26 years, so I'm out of the game here. But I think I just recall that, right? Like, hey, is this person interested? I'm looking over her. I see her over there. Does she see me? And that second look was like, hey, I have got at least an opening for an introduction now. Yeah, you know, and this is a thing. First of all, I believe that flirting is not just for singles. I think that everyone should flirt and have fun with everyone because really what we're talking about here is an energy. But when you are single, to your point, we have to learn how to give signals to one another. Because, you know, both, and this is how I truly believe this, both sexes have responsibility and approachability. It's not just the man's, you know, responsibility to go up to a woman. A woman has to turn her cab light on and say, hi, I'm open for business. I'm approachable. And so that's why I love talking about it in ways of more like a playful energy. And that's what we get into at the workshop. I think it served me very well, like to have that charisma as a flirtatious guy people always say oh you're kind of flirty you know like i like to make people feel good and when i'm in a restaurant and and by the way it's always served me you know i have to go in i travel all the time i want to treat people they're doing their job at a hotel and i think sometimes that comes off as like oh hey you're kind of flirting with that person at the desk like hey, i'm just trying to check in make it a nice day for them i don't need to come in like you know the weather's terrible and uh, you didn't give me the room i wanted and blah blah like like, you know what, like, how can we have a little fun and make people's life a little bit better? Well, it's really true. And a lot of research has been done on that because, you know, for you listening, maybe you're single or maybe you are in a relationship. It's all the same that one of the top attributes that people look for when it comes to even hiring somebody or attracting a partner is playfulness. And that's really important. It's the likability factor. So it's not even so much of what you know that's important is how you're coming across. It is that playful factor. So yes, flirting and charisma and playfulness this is like a big passion of mine and it's rooted and embedded in what I do with people. So I love that you see that. That's awesome. And I think it is a skill for sure because you and I both know people that are awful at it, right? And it's like, hey, these signals are all coming your way. And they're like, uh, what? I don't see it. I'm just going to hold my drink and not talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to go out and meet somebody, man. I don't know. You got to get out that bar stool at some point, right? Oh, and yeah. it's pretty crazy. But let me ask you a question on this. Did you know, like, hey, was there's this impact point as a kid who said, you know what? I wanna, I wanna be the hitchet of of dating. I wanna be the the expert 
of relationships? Did you know this as a kid? Like, was there a pivotal moment that set you on this journey? Oh, yeah. At three, I, I totally knew that I was going to teach flirting. Now, this has been a journey, Trent. And I always like to share my story because as much as my bio, I, I chuckle actually when I listen to my bio being played back at me because while all those things have been amazing and important to my professional career, the real reason why I am passionate about doing what I do is kind of my own transformation, my own story. And it really evolved, right? Like, I mean, I think we might start out wanting something and as life happens, things shift, things change. And you and I even talked about this, you know, just on a personal note that we, as we get older, change in our own experiences. And then sometimes it's our own adversity that are gifts in disguise that thrusts us into what we do, right? We're our own best teachers every single time. And that was certainly the case with me. I don't know if you want me to get into my story, but it would be a good segue for me to share because it really, it made a difference in like how I got here. Yeah, let's talk about it because I, and I think what we're talking about here is that it changes, right? Like what yeah. we thought was a relationship and how we should manage ourselves at 20 looks very different at 30, looks very different at 40, and looks very well for me, it looks very different at 50, right? Like, and so it's, and the visual of that is very different too. And so we have to take all those factors into an account, right? But, but I think for sure, let's get into your story and talk about that. Yeah. So as you indicated, I was a good girl from Chicago and I lived a very traditional life. I mean, I practiced as a therapist for many, many years. I had kind of that nine to five job helping people and the, and my degree to show for it. Right. And I had the house, the picket fence, the dog, the kids. I still have the kids, by the way, but you see where the story's going. So we pick up and we had this opportunity to move as a family across the country to here, what I refer to as La La Land, Los Angeles. So we get here and we end up doing what all the other people here in LA do. We get a divorce. I'm joking. I, I like to blame LA, but the truth of the matter is I probably would have been here anyway. But on a serious note, that's where the record stopped. Like the traditional life that I once knew completely shattered. Like in an instant. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my new life. And here's the kicker. I was a therapist. I mean, how awful, right? Like I was thinking I should know better, you know? So mm -hmm. I did counseling myself. And up until that point, I believed that you had to work from the inside out. And I had a great support system. My friends, my family rallied and helped me with the kids and all that. Yet I still couldn't get out of my own way. I was stuck. And if you had seen me back then, I first of all would not be wearing this color pink if you're watching this right now. I was this frumpy mom that had worn ginormous black clothes. I was still wearing the nursing bras and I wasn't nursing any longer. That should show you how stuck I was. Oh, and the Birkenstocks. Let's not forget the Birkenstocks. So I'm going down this really dark path, right? And my clothes really reflected how I felt. And I really didn't know how I was going to get out of my own way. And one day, and I think your listeners can relate to this because this, this pertains to the confidence and leadership. Up until that point, Trent, I really thought I was a confident person. I thought that nothing can break me. But when adversity happens, when, when life throws you a curveball, literally, that can shatter somebody's confidence. And all of a sudden, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing this frumpy, sad, insecure girl. And I called myself a girl. Like I, it was almost like I recoiled into that feeling of being a little girl. And so 
when people rise to a different occasion, usually they get to the point, and I know you know this, where they're fed up. That's something they're faced with. They look in the mirror and they say, enough is enough. And I just remember having that aha moment where I looked in the mirror. I said, I can't do this anymore. I got to move. I got to do something. Enough of an analysis paralysis and sorrow. So I, what does a girl do when nothing, you know, works in her wardrobe and she looks not so attractive? I go shopping, you know, shopping therapy. It sounds really airy fairy, but this moment that I'm about to share with you had changed my entire life and how I help people today. So I go shopping and I I think I'm up leveling myself. Okay. So what am I doing? I'm pulling all the black clothes again, <laughs> but they're new. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting new clothes. I wasn't really getting new clothes, right? This personal shopper, she was watching me and I now call her my angel. She came up to me and she says, ma'am, I've been watching you. And I really think you should try this on. And she holds up a red dress that looked like three sizes too small. I said, oh, well, you know, that's really sweet of you, but that's not my size. And that's so not my color. She says, honey, that is your color. That is your size. Try it on. Boom. You know, like it's like she hit me over the head with that red dress. And you know, when there's people who give you messages, it points in your life that you're really able to hear. It was like she had a megaphone in my ear and I just, it was so clear. I said, I got to try that dress on. She's right. So I squeeze into it and I twirl around like Cinderella and I look in the mirror. I was like, bam. I, I like, I saw a princess and all the pieces of the mirror that was shattered in the ground. That was a metaphor to my confidence. All of a sudden, in an instant, got put back together and I saw like a reflection of somebody attractive, sexy, happy, you know, and it was this visceral response. So I bought that dress that day as a costume. And you'll hear me talk about the clothes that you wear as a costume. Because first of all, I didn't believe it. So I needed to like go out in the world and see like how I can marinate in it. And I went out into the world and all this magic started happening. Like all the stuff you read in my bio really started happening to me. And I realized that there was a symbiotic relationship between the outer and the inner when it comes to confidence, that it's not superficial, that how you feel on the outside directly impacts your inner work and it works fast. And so this is what I started seeing with a lot of my clients. But the other kind of lesson, if you will, in that whole story is that I realized the black clothes was really a cloak to keep me invisible from you alien men because I was scared. Mm. And it's like, how often do we hide? How often do we like silence our voice and not be seen because of the fears we might have of moving forward, getting hurt, really being seen? Because the truth is, is like I walked out in the world, guys started noticing me. I'm like, now what? <laughs> right. And so yeah. we get to the point of the now what? And this is why today I have flipped the script and I now work from the outside in. So I, this is where the charisma quotient formula came about. And I can get into that in a bit, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That is, it, well, it's incredible, right? I mean, and there's so much to unpack right there. Like it's just, it's crazy because I have seen, you know, you see this in athlete, like confidence leaving the body, right? And a good coach, a good coach has that ability to keep speaking into someone, getting them back to where they should be, where they do feel good about themselves. And it's not necessarily the fundamentals or the X's and O's. Sometimes it's, man, you know, like you look good in your uniform, right? Like there's a confidence in how we look. And 
And I've noticed that my whole life as a health and wellness expert, right? As a fitness guy and as a strength and conditioning coach, the first thing I want to see is I want to look in the mirror and know that, hey, I look good. I've been working my butt off and it shows and other people are noticing that. And that is an instant jet. I mean, it's just a little poke of confidence. Every time someone says something like, whoa, you know, really been working out, really this, this and that. I mean, it just, they are the smallest, probably most insignificant comments to someone else that could have maximum impact. It's huge. And if you look at the definition of image, James Gray actually wrote a book called The Winning Image. I don't know if you've ever read it. And he defines image as how people, perceive you and that determines how people treat you. Mm. So again, there's not, you know, it's, this isn't superficial stuff. Like I can back up. There's so much research on this and even like within first impressions and for you in the business world, the minute you walk into the room, people are making judgments and assumptions based on two things, two things only the clothes you wear and your body language. That's it. It's not even what you say that's as important as how you show up and walk in a room. Same thing goes as a single person. So that's why this stuff works and it's symbiotic because when you feel good about you and you show up, then people respond to you in a different way. That also increases your confidence and then you exude out something different. So it's all intertwined and it's it's, it's really fun because there's so many things in life that we really have to work at and we have to, the inner game is a lot of work, right? And it's mm. a long-term thing. This stuff is instant. Like I have endless stories of people walk out of the dressing room and they're standing different. Their skip is a little bit lighter. They start like dating up a storm with just one little shift because it's those little things that add up to the bigger win. I love that. You know, two things that come to mind. I had an instructor when I was in high school. He's a great guy, former athlete. And Everyone would say, hey, Buzz, how are you doing? He just passed, you know, not too long ago. And unfortunately, and uh, I always remember this about him. Everybody, hey, how are you doing? Looking good, feeling great. <laughs> like, it's funny. I didn't say you look good. Like, he, that was his response. Looking good, feeling great. And, you know, you could feel the energy and the pep. And you almost had to feel better when you were around him. Like, man, I want some of that. Like, that energy, that uptake, like, can I get a little bit of that? Because, hey, could you just rub off on me a little bit? <laughs> because I need that. I want to look good, feel great, right? And I always remember that. And the other thing my wife uh, noticed about me, you know, you know, she followed through this pro athlete game and all that. Well, you begin to recognize when pro athletes walk in a room. Like, you oh, know, yes. how, well, physically, there's definitely a segregation from the rest of the population. People do not understand the, the size difference of pro athletes to normal people, right? But they also walk, the shoulders are back. There's a confidence and they exude it because it's a little bit of imposter syndrome. I mean, I'm sure like we are telling ourselves like we got it going because it's this daring level of confidence between confidence and arrogance. Mm -hmm. And it's so close and you butt up against it all the time. And it's like, man, you can cross that line so easily and arrogance will destroy you. But when, I, when you're sitting there at bat and someone's throwing, you know, 95 miles an hour, you, you have to look out. It's a David and Goliath story in baseball, right? It's nine versus one. And if you're successful 30% of the time, you make $10 million, right? So like you look out, if you go, oh, you know, I'm looking out and Kimmy's just better than me. Guess what? You're right. Whether you're right. you think you can or you think you can't, you're right, right? You know, we're back to uh, Henry Ford. And you cannot have that, that lack of confidence. You go, oh man, that person's so much better than me. I don't think it's going to work. That will never show out in athletics. It will not show out in relationships. It will never work. Absolutely. I mean, what we're talking is having a victim 
mentality versus one of abundance. And it's true. And I, I've had a lot of like experiences with clients where, you know, they'll call me and say, oh, there's no good men out there. There's no good women out there that, you know, it's, it's where I live and, you know, things are awful at home. Like, you know, and, and I say, I get that. And I agree with you. Like those things are hard, but what I always tell people it's, and this to me is the empowerment and helps with the confidence is that you can't change the things around you. All you can do is change things about you to get a different result in ways of your approach, in ways of your perspective and in ways of your mindset. So those three things, when you put strategies into place, this is why I call myself a dating strategist more than a coach these days, because I just think people need different strategies to break bad habits. But once you do that, and you start seeing a result that's different, that's when the magic happens. That's when change occurs. Yeah, I think that was so, it's such an impactful point in the movie, Hitch, right? Where he's like, yeah. I, I think people should have a plan. I think, I think <laughs> they should have an idea of what they're doing because you just don't walk up and go, hey, I like you. Oh yeah, beat it. I want to drink from you or anything else. Like, you know, we having a plan, I think is really important in anything. And wow, I think that's so impactful. And I love the idea of reprogramming, right? Uh, mm. We're going to have Finian Kelly on the show here in a couple of weeks. And Finian is a uh, intentionality expert. And he talks about like, you know, there's, there's a lot of reprogramming that we have to do. We get these set things from 12, 10, you know, 7, 17. And we just start carrying these behaviors, thought patterns. And, uh, you know, one of the challenges like in my relationship is that my wife and I met very young. We met at 16, 15 years old. And so you can imagine like every relationship, there's conflict, right? And so how we dealt with conflict, often at our 40s, we were still dealing with conflict like we were 16 and 15 because we had poor learned behaviors, right? Like we were like, you know what? I don't like you when you do that. You know, like, And it was like, oh my gosh, like, are we like back at sophomores in high school? <laughs> Like it's crazy, but the patterns were entrenched and we weren't doing anything to break the pattern. We were just continuing on and doing the same things, hoping for a different result. That's the definition of insanity, I think. Somewhere said that. Yeah. Same thing. We're doing the exact same thing. Expecting a different result. I didn't say we were sane. I never said that. Yeah, right. Like, no, no, I know, no, and I know I'm not right. Like, so you're right. It, it is, it's crazy. Do you think like, hey, I'm going to continue to behave like this and expect a different result? It is not logical. And of course, you know that when we're in these relationships, logic takes a back door, back seat, and it's emotion, emotion, emotion all up front. All on the front burner comes all the emotion and the back burner goes to logic, goes to righteousness, goes to good and the right and the things that we know between right and wrong. We shelve those things. Because the emotions come in so hot. Yeah. So what do we do about it? You know, so what do you do about it? You got to change your actions. You got to change your behaviors. You, But you also have to get uncomfortable, right? And, and that's the part that is hard because no one really likes discomfort. But if you stay comfortable, you plateau. That, that I mean, you can stay in your comfy cocoon all day long. I could have stayed in my comfy, big, ginormous black clothes. That was super comfortable. But I would not be here talking to you today if I stayed there, right? And so there was a woman that I worked with. I love this story. I share it a lot because it pertains to what we're talking about. I define confidence actually as experience. I don't think that there's one person out there who is not confident. It just means that there's an area in your life where you haven't 
gotten practice or you haven't had positive experience. Cause even like negative experience can also like decrease your confidence. So it's kind of like when you started your sport, maybe you came out of the womb really good at sports. I don't know. Probably knowing you, you did, but most people had to practice, you know, and, and rehearse and do things every day until, you know, one day you can do it with your eyes closed. Well, the, this one woman, she called me up very low confidence and she was just so like, in that victim mentality that we were talking about. She's like, there's no good men out there. I've scoured the earth, the city that I live in, and I take the same route every day to work. I've been online. I don't see anybody. I said, I believe you. I believe that you're not seeing anybody that's right for you. She's like, well, how can you help me then? I said, well, I said, well, first of all, we have to just change your perspective. Okay. It's kind of like the, ma we're, we're talking about movies now. The Matrix, I use this metaphor all the time. It's like putting on a pair of goggles or glasses and you're in the same world, but suddenly you're seeing something different. So this is what I had her do. I said, look, she hired me. And I said, your first assignment, because I love giving homework. I said, I want you to take the same route to work. And I want you to just look around and notice who's noticing you. Just take the blinders off. I know you say you've seen everybody, but just really start paying attention to who's in your path. She's like, all right. Comes back a week later. First thing she says to me, Kim, do you have a voodoo doll? I said, I do not have a voodoo doll. What happened? She's like, well, I did what you said. I took the same route and I see this guy on a bench and he's checking me out. And so I looked back and I smiled. And before I knew it, we were talking and before I knew it, he asked me out and Kimmy, I, I already went on a date with him. I really like him. That guy ended up being her boyfriend long-term. Now, was it just the woo-woo stuff of looking around? No, it was her perspective and intentionality and doing something different for herself. And because of that, she opened herself up to new possibilities. And from there, she gained the confidence. And obviously, we, we worked at it so that she could keep the relationship. But that's another story. I think it's so important of what we say into the world. Like, words matter, right? Oh, and when we talk about this confidence, you know, leadership, we talk about, and you say experience, right? We say confidence is about prep and reps. Preparation and repetition, right? And we always use the example of driving. If you're going to go out there like, hey, when you're 15 years old, you're scared to death. Like you haven't done it. You've watched people do it. You're like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have the classes yet. You start going to driver's education, driver's training. Then you're going to ride in with your parents. They're freaking out in the passenger seat, right? Don't ride the car. You know, like all these things, tensions are high. And you and I, at our age, we won't even think twice about getting in our car and going to the grocery store, right? And, and we're monitoring like all these things, right? Dashboard lights, speed, fuel gauge, pressure, temperature, signs galore, street lights, pedestrians walking through. I mean, we are monitoring stuff all while smoking a cigarette, eating a sandwich, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's crazy how much we're doing all at once because we have so much confidence in our ability to drive that vehicle. It's crazy. Now, Think about the things we do really well, right? We love it. So we love the preparation. You get prepared for what's about to happen. And then we do it again and again and again, giving us that experience. And people often talk to me about, oh, I, what a great gut instinct she has. And I'm like, I don't believe in gut instinct. I believe in the fact that she's had so many experiences and they're fabulous experiences and good and bad. She has an innate ability to break everyone down and sponge 
every in instance out of it to maximize learning. And I have a client like that and she's awesome. And just every experience happens and she can, she's got three takeaways, good, bad, the ugly. She's walking away with a learning. And this is just matriculated on since she was 12 years old and she knows mm. how to do it every single time. And everyone goes, everyone who meets her goes, Oh, what a badass! What a world beater. And I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> that girl is no doubt got it going in the right direction. And she just has a absolute feel for exactly what's about to happen next because she's been there before. She's done it. Even if it's only in her mind, she's experienced it. It is. It's that experience thing. And you know, the other thing about that and in, in your story and my story, it's about building resilience. Because when you have more experience, you're able to get up from, you know, down below when you've been in the boxing rink and it hurts at first. When you've experienced it a lot, it doesn't feel like rejection. It doesn't feel like failure. It starts feeling like, oh, wow, well, that's another experience. What can I learn from that? And that's truly the resilience. Because once you get into that resilience, that's the inner confidence. I mean, truly, that is a component. And I know you know this of confidence when you can just get back up and say, okay, great. What can I learn from this? That launch yeah, didn't go well. What can I learn from I, this? I think that's so huge. And people, you know, I see kids all over the world quitting baseball, right? They quit baseball because you're not successful 75% of the time, right? And so it's, I, I mean, I'm just trying to, in my mind, calculate someone walking back in the major leagues to the dugout after their first at bat going, wow, I struck out on three pitches. That player is too good. I don't want to play anymore. I quit. I'm going to go to the clubhouse and call it a day coach because I don't think I should go back up three more times and try. They've overcome things in their life. They've had to push. They've had to learn. They've had to adapt. What do I need to do different to be successful? And now they have a confidence that I can do it again because I've done it in the past. And let's dive into your past, right? Let's dive into that. When is a time, Kimmy, where you were down, felt like you were out, felt like things were not going the right direction, like no way in sight to make this thing right. And you turned it around. You shifted. And tell us about the experience and what you did to shift that. Need to hydrate but tired of plain old water? You need rebellious infusions. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. 10 organic flavors and convenient liquid packets. Just add 16 ounces and you are on your way. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 999 do you want to be our next guest or do you have inspiring stories to share or do you love to inspire support and empower thought leaders feel free to send trent a direct message on instagram or facebook at leadershipity